Hi, everyone. Mitch and Chris here for uh, College Football Week 1. Said this morning we were going to do a preview show later this afternoon. We'll just start it here today and uh, probably not going to have a set day and time on this until at least another week um, out. But we'll just uh, continue to do this. And, of course, you'll be able to catch the podcast over on Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Apple iTunes, Amazon Audible, um, Google Podcasts, uh, you pretty much name it. And uh, our show is available out there. Of course, you can always catch the replay here on YouTube. You know, hopefully everyone gets a chance to catch us live. Not always the case, especially since we, you know, I believe maybe week three or so, we'll probably be able to get into a rhythm of it. But next week I'll I'll be traveling and, uh, you know, we'll do it when we can. And then, you know, the following week we'll probably be able to settle into a time zone. But I kind of like it in this spot you know um maybe thursdays or wednesday in this in this identical spot chris let's just quickly go over the games that we already went over this morning just to uh complete the show you know i mean i was gonna just say let's skip those games and then i thought to myself you know maybe if we just quickly go over these um especially you know since we are live we didn't announce we were doing a show and uh you know, so Pittsburgh, West Virginia, real quickly, I felt that, uh, you know, on this morning show that I felt Slovis is way overrated. I think seven and a half points is just a ton for a rivalry game. And I think West Virginia's got plenty of talent there as well to work with. I'm going to go with, uh, I, I took West Virginia on the show. Chris, you want to recap yeah. yours? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I mean, I, and JT Daniels, he's capable of leading an offense. We saw it with Georgia. It's just the problem was that Stetson Bennett, sorry, Stetson Bennett just played better in his absence and injuries kind of derailed JT Daniels' time there. But I'm with you. I think that this pit defense is susceptible to giving out the big plays and seven and a half. I think even with the touch, touchdown, you would have been safe. But with the hook you know, involved, it just makes it that much better. I, I like West Virginia in the points as well. Got um Oklahoma State taking on Central Michigan. I think this is a chance for an upset here, um, or at least a better game than people think. Central Michigan has the firepower. We like the running back, and I think that, you know, I think this game might be closer than what the odds makers have this one at. Chris, how about you? Yeah, 100%. I said this this could be a prime spot for another upset. It's sort of a, a repeat of the untimed down game back in 2016 when Central Michigan pulled off the upset. Uh, plus 850, plus 1050, depending on your book, definitely worth a shot. But I'm with you. I, I like the value of the points here. Lou Nichols, one of the best backs in college football. And there's just a lot of turnover for this Oklahoma State defense. They'll get there, but I think this is just too many points. Those of you joining us a little late, we're just recapping the picks that we went over on the show this morning. And then we'll be going into the Friday and Saturday games. We just figured instead of ignoring that these games actually are going to take place for those, you know, to, just to make it a complete week one preview, even though it's not as thorough as we will be going into some of the other games. We're going to run this show till about six o'clock Eastern time. So uh, that is the plan. Next game up, Tennessee and Ball State. We know Josh Heupel's offense going to be high powered for Tennessee. To me, I just think that the five touchdown seems to be a lot. I know um, I was met by a lot of resistance in the comments this morning saying that Tennessee could have a 35 point quarter. No problemo. So um, I don't know. How about you, Chris? Well, I wasn't part of the resistance in the comment section, but I still think that, yeah, I think Tennessee capable of putting up a, at least a 28-point quarter, maybe somewhere in the second. I just think they'll they'll run away with this one. I think it's something in the area of 49 to 10 or 52 to 17, or sorry, yeah, 52 to uh, 13, something like that. Tennessee, I think, wins this one to blow up. All right, well, Chris, giving out underscores there in, in that <laughs> little uh, hint. Anyways, Purdue versus Penn State. I felt that this line looked funny. Um, I thought that um, 
Purdue actually probably the better team with a better quarterback. Penn State some quarterback issues and uh, returning quarterback, returning quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator. Um, just nothing to look forward to here. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I've said before, I'm not a Sean Clifford fan, and Penn State really didn't do a good job protecting him. I think this is a bit of a a fishy line as well, and I think that uh, Purdue has a good shot at not only covering, but winning this game outright. I like like Purdue plus the points here. Missouri and Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech replacing a ton there, um, but... You know, not a very good team last year, even by you know by Louisiana Tech standards. This is a team that's been good in recent years, not good last year. Missouri, they've been building, not quite. Um, Drinkwitz not really setting the world on fire at Mizzou, but quietly playing some pretty good football there. You know, especially the second half of last season, and I, you know, a lot of people quietly looking at Mizzou to possibly sneak into that SEC championship game. I think they. Uh, I think they put a, a, a complete performance here against uh, Louisiana Tech. Kind of just one of those games where they're just kind of in control from start to finish. Uh, and you know what drink was. You're going to have all the fundamentals in place here. Yeah, I, I I think this one's for me at least. This was look, uh, looking like an over. I just think there's going to be just a lack of defense. I think that you're just going to see a lot of big plays. The majority of them coming from Missouri here. I wouldn't be surprised if Missouri hangs, you know, 42, 45 points on on La Tech in this one. I don't think La Tech has to do very much to uh, to help us get over this total 61 and a half. So give me the over in this one. Yeah. So um, our our last game is New Mexico State and Minnesota and. You know, I kind of, we saw New Mexico State has a game in hand. They've already played. Um, they played last week. So, they, you know, they didn't win. They covered. I nah, Maybe they didn't even cover against Nevada. But they were somewhat competitive. And I think having that under your belt against a somewhat conservative coach like P.J. Fleck, this just seems like a lot of points. Um, you know, once again, not one that you're rushing to the window. It's kind of like this is a week one game. If it's a different week. Um, maybe we're looking at it differently. But those of you that are joining late, just remember, we're just breezing through the Thursday games. We went over them this morning, and then we're going to go over the Friday and and Saturday games in a little bit more detail. Chris, recap here. Yeah, this was my least favorite uh, Thursday game. I I think I'm going to take Minnesota in the first half. I think they jump out to an early lead, and that way we don't have to worry about P.J. Flex for taking that conservative approach in the second half. 38.5 is just a ton for this game. I didn't like what I saw from New Mexico State in their Week 0 game, but like you said, there is a a chance to uh, shake off some of the rust and uh, maybe make this a game late, but uh, I think I'll still stick with Minnesota in the first half. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Utah State or New Mexico State here with the points. All right, so we move into the Friday games. So these are the games we haven't gone over, and of course we're gonna go into more detail on these tomorrow morning. And you know the thing is why we do a college football and NFL shows, and the NFL show is not gonna be me. It's gonna be Jay Briggs and Al McMorty. I might do a guest appearance. I'm not. We're not really sure how it's gonna work. But um, the reason to do these shows, even though Chris and I do videos, is that we're the weekend shows, we really don't go over every single game. We kind of just have the cappers do a, a game or two. And, um, you know, we can't possibly go through the whole schedule. But, you know, we, we do go through the whole schedule several times here at Pick Dogs and at Sports Chat Place, of course, with write-ups, videos, and you pretty much name it. But let's get into these Friday games. And um, we've got Michigan State taking on Western Michigan. Mel Tucker really has taken the reins here at Michigan State and is really turning into one of the better college football coaches out there. Can he maintain what he's done there? 
I think he can, um, but this to me at least just seems a little bit egregious for you know a week one game. I know it's against Western Michigan, and Western Michigan wasn't very good defensively last year. They are starting a, a quarterback who's only had five career pass attempts, but uh, I still think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I'm, I'm looking at the under in this one. I just think you know Michigan State's defense was for real last year, and I think Western Michigan's going to have trouble. But I don't think uh, I think it's going to be a bit of an adjustment period for Michigan State learning to live life without Kenneth Walker. So. I'll go with uh, go with the under in this one. Well, I, I think that Michigan State will reload from you know from with Walker, and I'm not yeah. really all that concerned. I think what what I'm most concerned about here, you know, on the Michigan State side is you know number one, do they have the offense to cover this kind of big number? You know, because I do believe they're going to dominate this game. And then on the Western Michigan side, I struggle to back them because I see every year these directional Michigan teams that I'm high on go in against these um, FBS teams. You know, the big big conference teams and kind of get smacked around. So this is one I'll probably be laying low on, but if anything, I'm probably leaning a little bit to Michigan State actually in this game. We go to our next game and uh, I'm talking fast because we're covering a lot of ground. And um, if we start to run out of time, we'll group games together, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Old Dominion, Virginia Tech. Chris, you drew the video on this one, so um, I haven't really taken a very good look at it, but of course we got a new head coach at Virginia Tech and um, it's been a, it was a disappointing run that they had in the Justin Fuente era. Yeah, and, and you know the thing for me in this one is, is I actually think we have some value here with Old Dominion. I don't think the Monarchs are going to go away. I know you know the Virginia Tech, you know, sort of the uh, the Power Five bias here, but Old Dominion's legit and they can run the football. They have a pretty good defense. I think Old Dominion shows up to play in this one. And I think uh, I think they take this uh, this in-state rivalry a little bit more serious than Virginia Tech does. I think if Tech wins this one, it's, it's a four-point game. So I'm going to go with uh, Old Dominion plus the points in this one. Yeah, for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well with Old Dominion and the points. I think I might even sprinkle a little bit on the money line. The line looks actually very low for this sort of game and, um, you know, for good reason. Um, I think we've seen Virginia Tech stumble in spots like this um, many, many years in a row. And uh, I just don't have a ton of faith in them, especially since, you know, they seem to, you know, their players seem to have hit the transfer portal hard over recent years. So, you know, who knows what kind of depth they have on this team either, especially that first game of the season where guys do get winded and gassed. For our next game, we got Duke versus Temple. This could be two of the worst teams in college football. Um, I drew this uh, video, but I'll tell you, if Mark was still around with us, this would have been a Mark game. This game absolutely stinks. I mean, these teams are terrible. Chris, I I, I did the video. I took Temple in the video. Um, the reason being, I just can't lay seven and a half points with Duke. I mean, I think Duke, I think this game is, is one of those games where it's it's so sloppy, you know? It's just so sloppy. I, I, I got to go with Temple here. I just can't see. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe Temple is that bad. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, this thing's gruesome. Anyway, you slice it. What are you looking at here? Yeah, I'm with you with Temple and the points. Again, also not a game that I'm rushing to the window to bet. But, you know, Temple, at least the thing you can say for Temple is that they return a lot of their production from last season. Duke. Yeah, you know, they lost a lot of their guys, and maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, I know we love David Cutcliffe, but I think this Duke team is in trouble. I, I think that uh, 
Duke could be in trouble if they fall behind by even a score, and that would not surprise me. I might put some on Temple money line if forced to pick in this one, but uh, I'll take Temple plus the points. Well, I've spent years bashing Tom Allen of Indiana as, as the head coach, and you know, last year it all kind of came in for me and uh, paid all the dividends in the world as they went two and ten, including that forty-four to seven savage beatdown the last time we saw him in the Oaken Bucket game against Purdue. Um, you know, when you lose the bucket, normally when you lose a rivalry game by thirty-seven points usually it's the end of the road for a coach but Tom Allen given a little bit of grace because of the success that he had there Michael Penix gone from Indiana we don't have to worry if he's injured and not playing this week or anything like that like normally when he's when he was on the team but um, a little different look from Indiana this year Illinois we saw last week and I thought Brett Beliman did actually a pretty nice job against a Wyoming team that's tougher than what we saw um, we saw them we saw them look like against Illinois, and I think it was a good sign for Illinois to kind of just be able to control that game. Yeah, and uh, I, to tell you the truth, I really I, it was baffling to me that Indiana was favored here. I, I mean, I think Illinois they had a great defensive showing against Wyoming. This is a uh, you know an Illinois team that I think is actually going to take it to to Indiana pretty good here. Indiana showed nothing to me, and I, I again I'm. I'm flabbergasted here. I might even try to go with an alternate alternate line laying points in Illinois' direction. But, uh, yeah, give me Illinois in this one, plus a one-and-a-half money line, whatever you want. Ruffalo, flabbergasted. And I'm kind of with you there. I don't understand why Illinois is favored I and mean, why Indiana is favored. Kind of the second night in a row we're in a Big Ten game. I didn't understand the spread in Nebraska-Northwestern either. So in these Big Ten versus Big Ten games, I've really struggled with the odds makers' point spreads, but the public seems to keep them on that side. We've seen the line move a little bit to the Indiana side, but we have not seen um, it flip, at least not to this point. We go to our final game of the night, and that's TCU against Colorado. TCU, of course, Patterson gone from TCU. It's a two, it's a totally different era. But Colorado, 13.5-point home dogs against the Frogs. Chris, I know this was one that you covered. What do you think of this thing? Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you straight up, I'm on Colorado here. I, I like I like what uh, Colorado's got coming into the season. Right now, for me, it's just it looks like it's just a rocky road for TCU right now. They haven't been able to really settle on a quarterback. Sonny Dykes, he's going to have a high-powered offense for TCU. I think he's going to carry that play style in into um, into TCU, but. I need to see sort of some some consistency and just a direction that this team is going before I really instill any sort of faith in them, especially to justify a five-and-a-half-point line move in their direction. Colorado, you know, with no slouch. I think TCU wins this game, but I think it's maybe by 10 points at the absolute most. So I'm going to take Colorado plus the points in this one. Yeah, I, this one is a, is a tough one for me. I'm probably going to have to dig a little bit deeper. Originally, I was thinking TCU, but Chris might have talked me into Colorado. I really didn't, to be honest with you, I haven't really studied the Friday games at this point as deeply as I have the Saturday games and, and the games tonight. So um, this is one that by tomorrow's show, I might have an update for you. But so far, you know, I, I could see that. But, you know, and I know that TCU had a lot of transfer outs of players. But we know that um, Dykes is going to put up points, and we know that Colorado, well, it can be a sib defense at times. You know, Jim Levitt was coaching the defense there, but once he left, they were not quite the same as they were a couple years ago. Um, we go to our next game, and we hit Saturday. So we're going to have to fly through these games if we're going to make it. At the, if, we get, if it gets tight at the end, because we do have the drive-through coming on at the, after this, 
We will just group games together. But basically, we're going to quick hit these games. And then, of course, we have full write-ups at pickdogs.com, sportschatplace.com. And Chris and I have done individual videos on most of these big games that will be available on our YouTube channel. But we go to our next game and... I love this one. Maryland against Buffalo. This one's super interesting. You got Tagliavoe, no longer to his little brother, kind of being his own guy. But once again, the Maryland defense, an absolute sieve. Um, you know, four defensive coordinators in four years means your defense stinks. Chris, um, you know, Buffalo, um, we're hoping Van Trees was going to be the quarterback. He transferred out to Georgia Southern, of all places. Uh, Buffalo, you know, 24 and a half point dogs here. Yeah, and you know, even with even with uh, Tagovailoa, you know, leading the charge for Maryland, I'm still not seeing Maryland as a 24 and a half point favorite because I think that all of a sudden shifts to you have to get what 26, 27 points to to really you know have a normal score at least what we what we're used to seeing from how scores usually finish, and you know Buffalo's getting Rutgers transfer Cole Snyder. You know, they got a couple of their top receivers back. I know Maryland's receiving core is absolutely loaded, but like you said, sometimes they have a bit of a, a lackluster defense. I think Buffalo can do enough to stay within this 24 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost by three scores, maybe a 41 to 20 kind of game, something like that. But either way, I like the points with Buffalo in this one. It just seems to me it could be one of those games where Maryland's up by 31 at some point. You know, they're in the cover zone and Buffalo comes back and erases that cover. It just seems to be that kind of game. Boston College, six and a half point favorites here over Rutgers. Um, you know, Shiano, I thought, had done a nice job at Rutgers uh, last season. We saw them step up to the plate. And BC, you know, they we saw the good quarterback and, you know, still have some problems here and there. Uh, it's an interesting line, to say the least. Yeah, and at least, you, you know, the thing you can say for, for Boston College is that they get their quarterback back and Phil Jerkovich, and, and they were better when Jerkovich was on the field last year. Yeah, I think he even played through a broken wrist, and he was still, you know, performing fairly well for Boston College. I, I just right now Rutgers for me is in sort of in that Temple and Duke discussion. Like I really don't want any part of Rutgers right now. I know Greg Schiano, you know, he had that that defense heading in the right direction, but the offense for me is still hard to get over. And uh, as such, I got I got to roll with Boston College laying the points. That's so why I think it's still around a touchdown. So I'm going to lay the points with Boston College at home. Boston College usually a good offensive line to me. I just don't like the points here. You know, I, I think that's where I'm at is like, I don't like the points as far as laying them. I, I don't mind them taking them. So to me, I think, I think Boston College probably wins the game. Not all that comfortable with um, laying six and a half points in this thing. We go to Michigan against Colorado State. Jim Harbaugh loves to beat up on the lousy teams and on the weak teams in Colorado State. New head coach, new regime, a lot of transfer players in. Uh, home game at the big house. This is like we're, you know, they love to do a lot of ass slap and run up the score and <laughs> act like they're like overly focused on the game. Kind of PJ flex style. This is where a lot of people do not like Harbaugh. And I'll tell you, win or lose, I'm not going to like him here either. I can't take Colorado State because I know he's a jerk. I'm going to take uh, Michigan <laughs> here. Lay the points basically because I know Harbaugh is just going to be an unsportsmanlike jackass in this game like he normally is. Chris, what do you think? I I don't want to hash out a lot of the same points that you made, especially using the word jackass a couple times. So I got to go with Michigan as well. I see this, you know, 45-10. You know, I think Colorado State is just too overmatched here. But, but I, you know, it's a little bit weird because I don't think Caden McNamara is going to get the, get the starting gig here. I think Harbaugh, you know, he's making it seem like there's a, a quarterback competition. I don't think there is. I, the writing's at least been on the wall from what I'm what I'm seeing from a lot of B reporters. So I, I think Michigan comes out, you know, like you said, gets the ass slap 
slapping routine on and, and moves on to, to next week. East Carolina takes on NC State. We got the Pirates are 11 and a half point home doggies in this game um, against the Wolfpack. We know the Wolfpack, um, you know, certainly have been improving each year, but are they good enough to be 11 and a half point favorites over uh, over uh, East Carolina? Really nice fan base there. And, and the, the pack comes in here ranked 13th in the nation, if you can believe that, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this NC State team. I like the direction that they're headed in. And I think, you know, this could be a team to challenge for the ACC title this year. But for me, I'm, I'm looking at the total here. I don't know how we have a total this low, 51.5. Devin Leary can, you know, sling the ball around the field. He's got a great arm. He's got an accurate arm. And Holton Aylers, we've seen him lead this East Carolina offense for a few years. He is no slouch. He can probably hang 24 to 28 points up with East Carolina on his own. I think... NC State still wins this game. I think this game gets closer to 63, 64 points at the very least. So give me the over 51 and a half. Those of you joining the show a little late, um, the way the show is going to work, we're going to go through all the games. We don't have a set time and day that we're going to do this. By week three, we will establish that. Next week, I'm traveling, so I'm not sure exactly when we'll be able to do it, but we will definitely do it. Probably, it'll be probably more than likely be before um, an hour or two before the first games of the week, that's for sure. And um, it'll give you guys a chance. And if you're catching the replay or, or anything like that, I'm doing the chapters, so you guys will be able to just go back and, and get those ones. Um, if you're looking for tonight's games, we went over these games um, this morning. We just recapped those on today's show. Chris and I also did videos on those, and we have write-ups tonight. But these are more for the uh, Friday and Saturday games because Saturday, we're not going to have a chance to go over the schedule with the way that the show is formatted. So next, we have App State against North Carolina. This line has dropped like crazy, and I could see exactly why because North Carolina looked absolutely terrible against Florida A&M, getting gashed on the ground, um, g- couldn't get off the field on third down, all those problems. And for App State, uh, they play these guys kind of like these guys like this every year. It's kind of like a Super Bowl for them. It's almost like the Indianapolis 500, you know, or the um, the Daytona 500 starts off the NASCAR season. But for App State, you know, teams like this, they're at a conference schedule against the big division teams. Um, is there you know, is their Daytona 500. I like App State in this one. I think that, I think they do it. The lines dropped two and a half points with most of the betting action on the heels. Yeah, I'm with you. I, App State might be my favorite afternoon game of the, of the, uh, of the day or between the 12th and the 3.30 slots. I, and I think this is one of the biggest games in App State's program's history, especially home games, you know, bringing in the Tar Heels. And like you said, they did not look good. The Tar Heels did against Florida A&M, an A&M team that was missing 20 players because of ineligibility. You know, App State has a lot of returning production. And I think that the, the, the building is going to be absolutely insane. I think App State's going to be sky high for this one. I think they get the job done. I, th- I like App State as well. Believe me, maybe tomorrow we go over some of these other games like the Sam Houston, Texas A&M, Virginia, Richmond, which actually looks like looked to be a fun one, and um, even um, you know Northern Iowa Air Force. But and uh, but we go to Los Angeles. We go to the Rose Bowl where UCLA is hosting Bowling Green, and this line has dropped two and a half points um, from the open. The Falcons. I don't know. It's kind of uh, it, this one is, is is it less because you think it's because of less faith in USC or more faith in Bowling Green or a little bit of both here? I think can I say a little? I, I'm going to say a little bit of both here, but uh, you know, I think 
I'm still leaning towards UCLA. I, I, I Bowling Green is going to be able to provide some value, I think, down the road once we get into conference play. But early on, I think there's just going to be a uh, I just think there's just going to be some some growing pains here, and just it's going to be a bit of a mismatch. You know, UCLA, they're bringing back, you know, their starting quarterback in Thompson Robinson. They got their better their best running back in uh, Charbonnet. I think this is a spot where UCLA, I think, is just going to run all over Bowling Green. I, I like UCLA laying the big number. UCLA seems to have a lot of, you know, they never seem to be able to be good enough fundamentally to cover lines like this. And I think that's where the line movement comes in. And I'm going to lean, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take Bowling Green until, until UCLA shows me something. We got Wyoming up against Tulsa. Wyoming, the Pokes, six and a half point home dogs after that poor showing against Illinois. Uh, do you think it was just Illinois being a bigger, better team, or do you think Wyoming has serious problems here again? This line opened at one and a half, now at six and a half for um, Tulsa is favored. Yeah, I liked it sort of when it was in this middling range around four before it jumped up to six and a half. I would still lean towards Tulsa because I do think Wyoming has some serious issues that they need to they need to figure out. Tulsa, you know, they're going to do what Tulsa does. I mean, this, this is a Tulsa team that can play really good defense, play a lot of low scoring games, but they, they do just enough offensively to get by. I think this is this is Tulsa's game to win by by a touchdown to 10 points, like a 27 to 17, 24, 14 kind of game. So give me give me Tulsa laying the points here. I kind of think in this one, uh, you know, I think the Wyoming defense is better than what we saw. And I'm going to give them the ch- I'm going to give them the nod. I'm just going to give him a, ch- a shot here. Probably not. You're not going to see a premium pick or anything from me. That's what I, I promise. <laughs> I, I scouts honor. I'm no scout, but I still will uphold my scouts honor on that one. We got um, UTSA. That's Texas San Antonio hosting Houston. It's going to be a different look for Houston, not the high-flying offense that we come to expect. More of a defensive style of team up against UTSA who, you know, it's always looks like a track meet with these guys, right? It's just they always look fast, but in the games against teams like the like Houston, they always look a little overmatched. Even though you kind of have the expectation that maybe they'll th- this will be the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, would it really surprise anyone if UTSA pulled this off, considering they beat up on Illinois last season? But uh, I, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a track meet. I, I like the over in this one. I think this is just, like I said, one of those games where you know, we get to at least uh, at least 70 points. I think it's it, get, both teams get in well into the 30s here. And I like this one to get uh, to, to be close. I like UTSA in the points as well. I think it's a three-point game. But uh I'll take the over as my stronger play for this one. If Brian Biller was here with us, he'd probably say the books are begging you to take Houston and all the squares are on him. I think I'm going to be a square here. We've got Arkansas taking on Cincinnati. Of course, Cincinnati fresh off of their BCS playoff um, appearance. They they lost in the BCS playoff, but and they you know they did not you know they showed that they probably were a little bit outmanned and outmatched in that game. But at the same time, they got there, and I think you know. No worse than we've seen Oklahoma shelled in those games, you know, over the years and, and uh, you know, Notre Dame and, and teams like that. Ohio State's been rung up in those games and so has Michigan State. So, you know, I don't think Cincinnati has anything to hang their head on. Number 22 versus number 23. How is Arkansas ranked 23rd in the nation, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. I know this was one that we kind of disagreed on, at least when, it, when we were first talking about these games, but I think I still like Arkansas a little bit here. Hey, I like KJ Jefferson. I like the job that Sam Pittman's done early on in Arkansas and you know I don't get me wrong I'm I'm high on Cincinnati the Cincinnati team going to probably be the champion again in the AAC in my opinion but I just think week one I think it's going to be a tough crowd in Fayetteville 
I think Arkansas comes out to play, and I think this is just one of those games that they kind of pull away late. It's a key stop for uh, for for Arkansas defensively against Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati wins this one by by ten points. So I'm gonna take uh, Arkansas here. Cincinnati's been a good team, and they kind of get overlooked every year at this beginning of the season spot and in this role. And I, I think getting six and a half points here, I'm gonna take Cincinnati on the money line. I think they go into Fayetteville. I think they knock the Hogs off. We've got Georgia hosting Oregon. This is an interesting one because you've got the Georgia defensive coordinator as the new head coach at Oregon. And the thing is, Oregon known as like the high-flying Ducks offense. And this is a de- truly a defensive uh, you know, head coach here. He certainly knows the dogs and he knows their tendencies and he knows all those different things. Lines drop from 17 down to 16 as Georgia replaces, well, basically a uh, army of players on this on this team. But not short on talent. Kirby Smart has been uh, the recruiting national champion for many years running here. What do you think of this thing, Chris? I think this is an interesting, probably one of those games where people are really looking past Oregon. And it's one of those games where maybe it's a little closer, a little uglier than people think. Yeah, definitely. I think Oregon's offense is going to show up here as well. I like the over, over 53. Don't like Bo Nix. Not a Bo Nix guy. (laughs) Well, that's okay. You don't have to be. But uh, I I think the offense has come to play here. I think this is is going to be a lot higher scoring. I think a lot of the focus is on the defense for both sides, and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, we saw what this Georgia offense is capable of. They always seem to have, you know, a few explosive running backs that really show up and can, can carve up opposing defenses. But I think Oregon's offense will, will show up and, and put up their fair share as well. Um, I'm, I expect this game to get over 53, so I'm going to take the over in this one. I'm going to take Oregon with the points here. We've got San Diego State taking on Arizona. This line has moved from 5 to 5.5 five with the Aztecs as, as the home favorite here. Brady Hoke, of course, you can go home again as he's back at San Diego State. And the Aztecs, well, they lost in, last, they lost in that Mountain West championship game last year. Got absolutely crushed, but San Diego State, the beat rolls on and the defense is fierce. (laughs) And uh, Arizona, not a team that's shown that they can uh, rise to the occasion against a good defense. I think, you know, this is one of those games maybe you take Arizona first half San Diego State game type deal. Yeah, and and that's what I'm doing. I'm taking San Diego State here, leaning the five and a half. I just, you know, this this Arizona team, I sort of need to see more steps in the right direction before really trusting them against, you know, a, a top defense like San Diego State's you know San Diego State they, they got a new quarterback Braxton Burmeister from uh, from Virginia Tech former Oregon Duck as well and they still have you know a solid running back group they got a couple of receivers from the transfer portal I just think San Diego State's defense shuts down Arizona here I, I'd like uh, I like San Diego State big in this one we got Oklahoma taking on UTEP. We saw UTEP last week. The Lions dropped two points in this game. This is Will Venable's first game as head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. He is a defensive guy, but trust me on this one. He's got an offensive coordinator who can is a high flyer who, you know, Matt Corral's guy and, you know, was also um, at, uh, you know, at Oklahoma prior to this. So, um he certainly can do it. And he's coach Dylan Gabriel who takes over as the quarterback for Oklahoma. We saw UTEP last week, pretty disappointing effort against, um, against North Texas. Uh, they're not in North Texas anymore, but they do have that game in hand. This is one of those tough ones where you can see, I don't know. It's not, it's like, you know, I think, I think what kind of keeps me away from Oklahoma a little bit is I keep seeing Dill, um, Spencer Rattler not being able to, you know, cover a spread like this, but, Spencer Rattler's not there anymore. It's still in Gabriel. And um, 
I don't know. I think Will Venables, I think what we're going to see from Oklahoma that we haven't seen, in, you know, is defense. When you have defense, you have a short field, you have an explosive offense. This this could get ugly. Yeah, I think it is going to get bowling shoe ugly. I, I, I like uh, I like Oklahoma big in this one. I, I normally don't love laying these massive numbers, but uh, like I said, Dylan Gabriel, he comes from experience with, with you know, leading a high-flying offense when he did at UCF. And quite frankly, for me, the minors, you know, it, they didn't look good against uh, against North Texas. They had their moments, but they still fell apart late. They were tied at the half. I think they were only behind by one, but uh, ultimately just broke down in the second half. And you look at even what they did last season, their best win came against Old Dominion, but you look, they went to and lost to Boise State by 41 points. Their last trip to Oklahoma, they lost by 41. So I think a, a similar result could be in store here. I like Oklahoma laying the points. All right, bowling shoe ugly. We've got o- Ole Miss taking on Troy. Of course, Matt Corral gone from Ole Miss. Um, different thing, but, you know, Lane Kiffin, he has no problem embarrassing teams either. And, you know, Troy here, maybe not getting a lot of credit. I think when we saw Ole Miss last year in a similar spot against Liberty, um, they did cover, but it was dicey at the end. And they weren't laying this many points. I kind of like the points here with, with Troy. Yeah, this was one that I, that I did struggle with, you know, even going back and forth on it. But for me, the Troy offense was just hard to hard to back last year. This is probably a no play for me at this number. Um, I was seeing it around 21 and a half. I think Ole Miss probably wins this one by 21. Um, so I maybe lean towards laying the points with Ole Miss if you if the number starts to drop a little bit. But yeah, probably uh, maybe take a Ruffalo on this one. As a fan of the game, this is one that I'm really looking forward to: South Florida against BYU. South Florida has given BYU some some trouble in recent years, and both these teams return. Everybody. This is one of those college football games where everybody's back for both teams. So you have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. The problem is, you know, South Florida's got the experience going three and nine. BYU has guys that have kind of been around the block before. So, um, you know, this is this is going to be a, a pretty decent game. I think BYU might just be a little bit too physical. I think they're going to definitely get the win. But do the penalties keep them from covering? Yeah, it might. Um, I still think it's going to be a lower scoring game, though. I, I don't really trust USF to get into many shootouts as good as BYU has been. Um, I think this is just going to be a game that struggles to get to 50. Uh, I don't see either team getting into the 30s here, so I'm going to take the under 58 and a half here. There is a ton of production. I think that's going to lend itself to experience and neither team really getting rattled in, uh, in, in week one of the season. Massive line mover here as Nevada, Texas State has dropped from eight down to a half of a point. Um, it is um, very interesting that this line has dropped, but Texas State, real good quarterback. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. Um, do you think that's enough? Because we saw Nevada last week, so they have the game in hand. I think at eight, maybe it was a little dicey, but at that, to lay the half a point, I mean, more than likely, they're going to go into this game as dogs against Texas State, who really was nothing last year. And they, like you said, they switched up their quarterback. They did uh, in Texas State, and I think that's going to play to their uh, play to their advantage here. I do like Texas State. I think the, the line move is justified. Nevada did not look good in their opener. Yeah, they had the game to shake off the rust, but neither of their quarterbacks looked, looked very good. Shane Illingworth didn't do much. Nate Cox didn't do very much. They had to rely on the run running game, and. You know, I think, uh, you know, I like what Jake Spavadal is doing in uh, in San Marcos with Texas State. I think they're heading in the right direction. So give me uh, give me Texas State lane or, well, I guess, pick them spot here. And I, I expect them to be laying points by kickoff. 
you got Ohio taking on Florida Atlantic, and I thought Florida Atlantic was one of the more impressive teams um, in Week Zero. They uh, pretty much ran roughshod over Charlotte, and Nikozi Perry, the former Miami quarterback, really had a nice day, maybe showing that he does have that skill set that he came that he came in so highly recruited. Um, Ohio, uh, the post Frank Solich era, kind of like the post Frank Solich era at Nebraska, hasn't been a lot of fun for the home folks. Chris, I, I think this could be a circle game for me. <laughs> yeah, I think so as well. I think I think Florida Atlantic, for me, sort of is the play in this one. You know, the, the Bobcats, yeah, they have a ton of returning production, but it's like you said, it's returning from production from a team that wasn't very good last year. You know, Curtis Rourke, Ohio quarterback, he was uh, he, he wasn't very good at quarterback last year, and I, he's going to have a new rotation of players. But I think this one's just all Florida Atlantic. They're the better team, top to bottom here, and uh, I think getting only a, a short line of only laying four points is a gift here. So I, I like Florida Atlantic in this one. Got USC taking on Rice, and the Lincoln Riley era is underway now at USC. And you know the thing about this is a lot of people are talking USC and national championship and thing like, and, and and things like that. And while Lincoln Riley has had some great offenses, and he's got some of his players, and he has you know the makings of it. You know he had um, transfers at wide receiver out of Oklahoma that did not come with him to USC as well. But you know he gets his quarterback back in Williams. But the problem is. Is it still a Lincoln-Riley defense, which is an absolute sieve? I don't think Rice puts up much of a challenge here. But as far as those loftier expectations down the road and those futures bets, I think people are burning money on USC. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I think so as well. And, you know, I think that, like you said, this is just a spot where Rice isn't going to pose the, ta- the the test that, you know, UCL, sorry, USC will face down the road. And, you know, we'll have to see what happens when rubber meets the road for the Trojans when they get into conference play or when they play these tougher teams. But for week one, this is sort of the perfect Lincoln-Riley ass-slap and tune-up. I, th- I think USC comes in and just runs rough shot over Rice. You know, 56-10 to 10 wouldn't surprise me here. I don't know. But, uh, I don't I don't know about that because, for me, it's one of those games where I think the world is like USC, 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 you know. And into that, you're seeing a, um, you know, a, a, a two-and-a-half-point line drop. So it's kind of like... Eh, maybe not so much, you know, because the defense still is going to be a problem with the Lincoln Riley team. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this yeah. one, but uh, yeah, Tulane against UMass, because we're a little short on time here. We got about 10 yeah. minutes left. We're just running through the schedule and time order here. Those of you that are joining late, um, we're going to do a college football show every single week. We're going to have an NFL show every single week as well. It won't be Chris and I on the NFL show, but we'll be doing the college football show. And we might have some guests from time to time as well on those shows if anyone wants to sit in with us. But um, we've got um, Tulane taking on UMass. There's an old saying, Chris, UMass is straight ass, but 28 and a half points here with the minute men. Um, do you think they can hang with the green wave for more than a minute? I, this is a bad game. Um, I, I have a lot of trouble um, with Tulane laying this many points. I'm going to have to go at UMass and the points. I do not like it. And this is, I feel like a Bittler. I feel like this is a Bittler pick. You know, I do. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I, I hate this game personally. <laughs> I don't like using the word hate too often, but I, I, I'll go towards the over here. I like the over at 58 and a half. I think UMass's defense, like you said, straight ass. And Tulane is still prone to giving up their fair share of points as well. UMass can, can at least score 14, 17 points. It's all about what Tulane does in terms of naming their number here, but I think we do get over the total in this one. Well, that is, um, you know, that uh, 
it's like, that's one of those. It's one of those games. A nice cop out there by taking a total on that one. We've got <laughs> Florida up against Utah in the swamp in Gainesville. The Gators two and a half point home dogs here at Ben Hill Griffith Stadium up against the Utes who return rising at, qu- at quarterback. Remember last year they had Brewer at the beginning of the season and they put rising in and it was like oh man that beatdown game against Oregon when they when Oregon was a potential playoff team. Uh, you know. It's still fresh in a lot of people's minds, but you know, at the same time, Utah did not really show up after that. And then, um, you know, the Gators, of course, new head coach Billy Napier, more of a dot the I's and cross the T's guy, and the players are buying into this, and he's got a lot of talent. This is a very good game. This is one that you know, if you're a college football fan. I mean, just pick a side and put a couple bucks on one side or the other just so you can stay engaged and watch this game because I think it's going to be that good. Yeah, and I, I agree 100%. I think this is going to be a fantastic game to watch. I, I'm still leaning towards Florida plus the points at home, maybe even take them out, right? I know a lot of people have Utah winning the Pac-12, potentially crashing the playoffs from what I've been reading. But uh, I think, that, you know, Florida, it's still a, a tough game to go into the swamp in week one. And, and you know, Florida, like you said, is buying into Billy Napier's stuff. And he didn't just, you know, waltz into to double-digit win seasons when he was at Louisiana. He, he knows how to coach up his guys. And I think Anthony Richardson, you know, going to be a, a, a really good player to watch for the Gators this season. And I think this, like I said, this is going to be a marquee game. I think actually Florida has a chance at winning this one outright. So I'll take Florida plus the points, put a little bit on the money line. All right, well. we, we might have to put a side wager on this one because I'm going to take Utah and lay <laughs> less than a field goal here on the road in a very long road trip into a super hot environment too. I mean, it's going to be very hot there. But I think that we probably have a three-point Utah game. I just think that pass rush, um, I think that pass rush is going to be a little bit of a problem for Richardson. That's, that, to me, is, is going to be the difference. Maker. I think Whittingham draws something up. We got Kentucky trying to become a football school, taking on Miami of Ohio. Three and a half points um, is the spread here for Coach Stoops and the Cats. Chris, what do you think here? You know, I'm going to take Miami, Ohio on the points. You know, I think Kentucky is starting to shift to a, a run first, really run heavy style of offense. I think that's just going to lead to longer runs, you know, longer, uh, longer drives, more sustained t- drives, time shoot up off the clock, which is tough to cover big numbers like what you're seeing here and Miami, Ohio, you know, they have some solid running backs as well. You know, they bring back uh, their quarterback and Brett Gabbert and, I think uh, I think Miami Ohio can keep this one close. Kentucky struggled to put away FCS teams like Chattanooga last year. I think uh, Miami Ohio could keep this one close. I like the Red Hawks and the points. Yeah, I I think that I'm going to go the other way here. I think Kentucky. Um, you know, we've seen them have a lot of success over the first half of the season uh, in recent years, and I think they open it up in style here at home. Coastal Carolina taking on Army, three and a half point line drop. Coastal returns their QB from last season and no longer a novelty act. The chance it clears not quite the same season last year that they had the year before, but at the same time, still a very, very good team. And now that they're kind of a name brand and a recognizable brand, getting the transfers into, I'm not seeing this, Chris. I'm not seeing this army backing here. I'm going to, maybe I'm a sucker, you know, with, um, you know, the public seemingly on 
uh, Coastal Carolina with the dropping point spread. Maybe I'm the square, but uh, I'll be square on the teal turf with my Chanticleers. How about you? <laughs> I do like Coastal in, in this one, but I also like the over here. I really like the over at 53 and a half. You know, these, you know, while you would think that, you know, an army run style and that option offense would lead to a lower scoring game, I think it's the opposite. I think it's going to create, you know, quick home run drives, quick drives up and down the field. And I think this one gets into the, uh, to the 56, 60 point range by the, uh, by the end of the third quarter, early fourth. So give me the over 53 and a half in this one, but I also like coastal. You know, I did a college football show last year and I did it weekly and it's, it's so refreshing to actually have someone that knows college football do the show with me instead of trying to sit there and say someone just tr- agreeing with everything I say and not saying, well, I really don't know. Um, but it's definitely helpful to hear Chris's side on a lot of these games as I'm trying to decide them too. You know, as I go into Saturdays, I have, don't really have a lot of a lot of money in action yet on Saturday's games. Southern Miss up against Liberty. Of course, Liberty losing their QB, but the U Freeze recruiting train in action um, at Liberty. I mean, this guy, uh, let's, it, when you get fired be over recruiting violations, it means you know how to walk the line. And let's just say you freeze. He knows how to walk the line. I just got to think that Liberty's probably loaded with talent here. I think they beat, beat, beat Southern Miss on the road here. I think the three and a half just trying to scare off some of this Liberty money. How about you, Chris? Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm on Liberty as well. I, I watched Southern Miss last year. That Southern Miss team was an absolute train wreck, and I haven't seen enough turnover, enough change to suggest that this year is going to be anything different. I, I, I'm with you. I think Hugh Freeze, you know, knows what he's doing in the recruiting class, knows what he's doing in the transfer portal, and he's going to, you know, keep the train rolling at, uh, at Liberty. So I like Liberty minus three and a half. I think this one at least could be laid up to a touchdown. Well, you don't want to play against Nick Saban in these early games of the season. Normally he plays in like those games in, in the Georgia Dome or something like that. This year they're doing it a little bit differently. He plays Texas next week. So does he keep something in the hopper for that game? Um, does he try and get some guys some action here against Utah State, who did not look good against Jim Moore Jr.'s UConn team? Um, the Aggies getting six touchdowns and a hook, Chris. Um that is a lot of points, even at Tuscaloosa, even against the Tide. I just, Nick Saban traditionally, not really a run-up-the-score team. I mean, he's a soundly beat teams, but against these type of teams, traditionally, not really a seven-touchdown winner. Um, what do you think? Uh, you're right. He doesn't normally run up the score. He's not that kind of coach, but I think this is one of those games where Alabama just steps all over Utah state. I did not like what I saw from Utah state in their opener. And you look at, at what Alabama's done. Nick Saban may not be a run up the coach guy, but with the last, I think 15 um, games in week one, that the, the tide had played They're 15 and 0, uh, 12 and two against the spread. And, you know, you can see what they did against Miami last year, won by 25, I believe it was. You know, they usually beat up on teams by at least five five touchdowns in these early games. I think Utah State's just way overmatched here. I like uh, I like Florida, or sorry, uh, Alabama to win this one by uh, you know, 45 points. I, I'll take around. the Aggies here. I think they were just looking ahead to this game. And, you know, we saw that they can play with the big boys last year when they won the Mountain West Championship, and they beat San Diego State, I mean, 44-13 to 13 in the championship game. I think they're a more physical team than people give them credit for. They're probably not going to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama or give them a score. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in this game at halftime, though. I would not be surprised at all. North Texas taking on SMU. Of course, the Mean Green 1-0 after the last uh, week's start. But here they are, 11.5-point dogs to the ponies, Chris. Um, you know, SMU, 
Oh man, it's just you're you always assume that they're going to be this high flying offense, but I'm not 100 percent sure this season. But North Texas, I mean, they went from nine to eleven and a half in this game, coming off of a massive um, win against UTEP. Yeah, I think this game just comes down to who controls the pace. Obviously, North Texas going to want to rely on their defense and going to want to rely on a uh, on a slower, you know, run heavier game. SMU, like you said, they're going to want to let it fly. But I think that you know, I just. I think SMU is the one that takes control of this game. I think, you know, if they try to run the ball, they're going to run into North Texas's issues here. But that's where North Texas thrives is stopping the run. I don't think they're going to have uh, success against SMU's pass attack. I like SMU in this one. The favorite eight known in the last eight meetings between these two against the spread. I got to go with SMU in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with. Um, I think I'm gonna take North Texas in the points. Probably a bit of a sucker bet, but probably a bet that I'm not gonna need to make because I see plenty of other games on the board that I like better than this one. But I just think that having the game under their belt and having some confidence, knowing that they can do some things, I think it's probably pretty good news for the Mean Green here. We got Mississippi State taking on Memphis. Memphis trying not to be like a novelty act type team, but you know, in the AAC, but at the same time, you know, they're up here against Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. And, you know, Mike Leach, oh boy, you're just never sure what you're going to get. They are a Forrest Gump. He is a Forrest Gump type coach. And, you know, his teams generally are too. It's like a box of chocolates, right? You just never know what you're going to get. And I know other people have other things to say about, you know, the box of chocolates. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like a box of chocolates uh, spend, you know, most of their time around uh, just getting poked. But uh, anyways, I'm not going to finish the joke, but anyways, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I got, I got, I got no words for that, but I will say poked and passed I, around is <laughs> part of it. Right. Yeah, stay away from that one. But uh, I, you know what? I like, uh, I like Memphis with the points here. You know, you look Memphis; they beat uh, Mississippi State outright last season, and they give these Mississippi teams trouble. You know, whether it's Ole Miss or Mississippi State. I think Memphis is legit. I don't know if Memphis wins this game this time around, but, you know, they were 0-5 against the spread on the road last season, but they were never more than an underdog at 10 points. 16.5 to me just seems like a little bit much, even against Mississippi State. I love Memphis in this one, plus the points. I think Mississippi State is an SEC team, so they're going to have the physical players. Just I think Mike Leach's style tends to, you know, create opportunities for the other team. And I think Memphis is going to have enough opportunities here. And they usually have a really good kicker. And that's usually something that you really want when you're getting this many points. You know, because now all you really need is a field goal. Now you're talking, you know, 19 and a half. And you kick another field goal, it's it's 22 and a half. You know, so it's it, it all of a sudden, um, you know, it becomes a bigger number. South Carolina up against Georgia State. Of course, the transfers portal wide open in uh, in Columbia this season new quarterback new attitude and you know it's pretty much the same old story for them Georgia State um, you know this team generally a little bit better than than people think and we saw them you know last year um, play the big out of conference in the SEC early as well yeah, and this was a, a game I, I, I covered. And I think I'm still leaning with, uh, with with South Carolina laying the points here. You know, I think that, uh, you know, they did some overhauling, South Carolina did. And while Georgia State has a nice quarterback in Desmond Trotter, they've shown they can hang with the big boys, but I think this is just a game that South Carolina 
is just going to be that much better. I think they win this one by two scores. Uh, I'm going to lay the points with South Carolina. Not a game I love, though. All right, we're just about out of time, but we'll do the best that we can. Ohio State, Notre Dame. Chris, any thoughts on, on this little game? I think that Ohio State, the expectations are just so high. They just returned so many pieces of that offense, but not the receivers, but the receivers that we did see and that, that are returning. These guys are ridiculous as well. I'm not sure Notre Dame can hang with them as far as uh, – as far as that goes, but usually when Notre Dame's in the big underdog role like this, this is normally when they're kind of at their best. I don't know. I I, I like Ohio State here. I'm pro- I'm I'm um, I'm I don't know. I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. I'll just lay the points. This this is a game I'm going to watch and just get popcorn to watch as a fan. I like this game a lot. Don't like it from a betting perspective, but I will take the points with Notre Dame. I think it's interesting that Marcus Freeman said, "Oh yeah, we're 17 and a half point underdog." Okay, gonna, let me write that down because I'm going to break this up to our guys. So it's always think- it's always interesting when it's a primetime game with a big number like this and you know angles and all that stuff. Eh, something tells me they're going to want the TV viewers to stay in. Syracuse <laughs> taking on Louisville. Um, Two ACC teams. Any quick opinion here? I like Louisville. I like Malik Cunningham, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the ACC. I think Louisville wins this one by a touchdown. I'm going to take Syracuse. I thought that they had a nice start to last season. I think Louisville just a little sloppy for me. I think Cunningham is overrated in my book. I think that they keep thinking that he's like a Lamar Jackson, but trust me, he isn't. We've got Texas against Louisiana Monroe. Look for the Horns to probably run it up here. These are the games that they definitely, you know, get it done in. Um, they don't beat the good teams, but they, these are the type of games where it's kind of like 55 to 10 type type situation. I like the Horns here against Louisiana Monroe. How about you, Chris? Yeah, so do I. I'm not high on the Longhorns, but uh, ULM, what do we always said? ULM stands for you lose money. So I go, go with Texas in this one. Yeah, I lost a lot on Louisiana Monroe early in the season last year. Um, we go to our next game, and that's going to be the be Oregon State against Boise State. Another good game that Hank Bachmeyer's back. Boise seven and six last season, very unBoise like. Um, and Oregon State, a lot of people saying maybe this team has a shot at winning the Pac twelve. I don't know. What I see here is a Boise defense that had twenty three turnovers created last year, and a quarterback that basically is Keaton Slovis, just a turnover machine. I like Boise here on the road, getting the points. How about you, Chris? And another one that we disagree on, but we can't agree on everything. I, I lean towards Oregon State in this one. I just I saw a lot of uh, a lot of the offensive production leave from Boise State last year. I think Oregon State, like you said, they have high aspirations in the Pac-12 this season, and nothing would start them off better than you know a win at home over a still very good Boise State team. So I think the line's low for a reason. I think it's going to be tight, but I think Boise State wins this one by uh, four to six points. We got oh, sorry, Oregon State. Excuse me. Washington versus Kent State. Michael Penix Jr. taking over at Washington at QB. I don't know. I'm going to take the golden flashes here. Penix <laughs> never has impressed me. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, nothing wrong with some golden flashers, but uh, I, I do like Kent State in this one. I think uh, I think Kent State is, for for me, Michael Penix Jr. is your Malik Cunningham. I think Michael Penix Jr. just a bit overrated here, and I think uh, I think Kent State could keep this one close. Go to the, um, we go to um, Sunday. Uh, or and Sunday morning early, Hawaii getting 15 and a half against Western Kentucky. I had Hawaii last week against Vandy. I think they improved this week. To me, even though it was a blowout loss and a 35-point downhill pouring on in the third quarter, really two plays that made that whole game. And once you're playing from behind by a big number, a game plan change, strategy change, I think Hawaii's a better team than what we saw last week. I'm going to take the better than two touchdowns with the bows. How about you, Chris? 
yeah, I think there will be better days on the horizon for Hawaii once, uh, you know, Timmy Chang sort of gets comfortable and, and gets his guys rolling with his system. But until then, I, got, I still got to roll with Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky barely covers this number. I think it's we're going to be sweating it out, you know, regardless. But I think uh, I think Western Kentucky wins this one by 17 points. So lay the points with the Hilltoppers. Brian Kelly takes over at LSU where they had a real disappointing season last year. Florida State comes into town and they've been pretty terrible under Mike Norville as well. Um, the Knowles, though, they have a knack of kind of stepping it up and surprising teams in these early spots like we saw last year against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I, I got to take the Knowles here in the three and a half points, and I think I might put a little bit on the money line here. The world's going to be on LSU in this game. Yeah, and that's, that, that is my concern here because I did like LSU early on, but uh, like, I said, like you said, now now it looks like Florida State could be a viable option here. I'll lean towards uh, Florida State plus the points in this one. Of course, subject to change with the asterisk. In our final game of the show and of the weekend, Georgia Tech taking on Clemson. The Ramblin' Wreck, 22.5-point home dogs. Clemson, really one of the worst Clemson teams that we've seen last season in, in recent years, you know, that we've seen um, last season just did not have it at the quarterback position. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to have it here. Um, you know, I think Clemson is the better team, and I think that this is one of those games where Georgia Tech will just shoot themselves in the foot and you know make Clemson look a lot better than they are. I think it'll finish you know something like thirty-five ten for Clemson. But uh, don't get me wrong, I, I don't have high hopes for this Clemson team this season. I think there could be a could be some trouble coming down for for Clemson. So I like uh, I like Clemson here, but long term prognosis, no bueno. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. That covers all of the games on this, week sh- on this week's slate. Of course, we'll go over again tomorrow on Friday during our live show in the morning and Saturday and Sunday with all of our cappers on our live shows. We appreciate each and every one of you. We're going to have an NFL show. Chris and I will hammer out this show. We'll probably start it earlier um, before the drive-thru, giving us more time to really go into the games just in a little bit more detail. We rushed through because we wanted to at least come out with something instead of saying we were going to do something. But still, I think our show like this, probably still going to be 100 times better than anybody else is going to do because I know those jerks. Anyways, have a great day, everyone. Make it a winning college football weekend. We will see you tomorrow morning on our live show, every morning on our live show. And of course, we will see you next week as well for our college football week two preview. Make it a winning college football season.